Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Bundesliga for Beginners, the podcast about the Bundesliga from Beginners. For beginners, you should understand what we're doing by now. I hope that we do as well. Um, I'm Jamie Smith. Co-host <laughs> is Kevin DeVries, who you'll recognise from the EPL Roundtable show. We share the same channel as them. Uh, Jim Knight's also back with us today. Jim's also on that podcast regularly. And our Bundesliga expert, John McKenzie, completes the crew. Um, busy, busy weekend of Bundesliga action. Then we'll start with... The first intrapod derby between Gladbach and Leverkusen. Um, and someone predicted the outcome correctly. How did that happen? Well, we as experts um, is mostly <laughs> <laughs> how that wound up happening. Uh, and also just being overly confident. But yeah, um, in the preview show, I said I thought it was going to be Leverkusen 3-1 based on evidence, probably. Um, but uh, that did actually end up being the scoreline. And Leverkusen just looked Really, really good. Turns out this would have been a little bit more predictable in hindsight, uh, as Leverkusen have the joint most wins away from home this season. There's like a stats bell dinging in the background somewhere. Um, <clears throat> Havertz was really good again, but <laughs> we don't need to name the show after him again. But uh, two goals from two shots on target, had a third that went off the crossbar, also had a clear assist that he could have laid off to Demir Bay, but Demir Bay? Demirbay. Uh, we'll work on that. Um, but, one of uh, those, probably. Yeah, maybe. I took four swings at it. <laughs> maybe one of them. Um, but he just didn't lay it off fast enough. But he, he was just a menace going forward. Um, also, uh, Tapsoba is, like, really good. So I was really kind of frustrated that I was going to miss out on seeing uh, Jonathan Ta again. Looked it up. Turns out it's a back injury is why he's not playing right now. Um, but it had obviously been... Uh, lured in uh, by John in that first episode uh, by Leverkusen's talent. And I was like, oh, yeah, Jonathan Tal, that'll be exciting. Uh, but apparently Topsoba is just, like, really good in his own right, so it doesn't matter. Didn't know that he had only moved there in January, which is crazy. Um, only two years removed from a U19 side in Portugal, so uh, how good he has gotten this quick is really incredible. And I kind of mentioned him in the last episode but didn't know that I was when I was talking about how good um, Leverkusen were from passing from the back and, and splitting the lines that way, and it was largely him. He's very good on the ball, uh, and you can't imagine, sorry, my fellow Leverkusen lovers, uh, you can't imagine that his stop at Leverkusen is going to be particularly long uh, if he continues to play as well as he has the last two weeks. There's also a whole bunch of stats about how much better Leverkusen have been ever since he signed, but since there was a two-month gap in the middle, uh, don't feel like putting too much weight into that. Um on the whole, it was just really good. Did start having issues with Taram uh, late in the first half, even though he was still out wide. Just as Jim mentioned previously, his skill-pace-strength combination is a little absurd. Um, and then when he moved centrally, there were real problems at the back. Um, Dragovic didn't look great, but apparently it was his first match back in a while. Well, 
<laughs> it's everyone's first match back in a while. But he was also hurt. Um, uh, but anyway, I, I don't know if he would stick at the back once Ta comes back. But um, Teron was just causing all kinds of issues through the middle once that happened. Uh, and it kind of seemed like as the match continued that Leverkusen were kind of doing uh, some defense by numbers rather than individually defending well. But it ended up working out. Uh, and then I have a final thought about Diaby that I'll ask after Jim talks about uh, his view of the Leverkusen side. Sorry, um, that's my team. Um, <laughs> Gladbach side, we're working on it. Still getting used to which teams we support. Good. Um, yeah, it was... It was a tough watch, I think, from a much in Gladbach angle because it felt like there were opportunities there that weren't taken. It was really frustrating to see Mbolo go off so early, um, particularly the way they'd set up with um, him kind of saying, kind of, I think once he went off injured after kind of 10 or 12 minutes, it kind of threw everything else out a little bit and took a bit of time to get back into the swing of things, by which point um, Leverkusen had obviously, well, they'd already gone ahead by the time um, Mbolo had gone off, but it just kind of stunted any revival. Um, I thought Turan was excellent. Um, I'm a little bit frustrated that it took till half time to, to make him switch more centrally because it seemed obvious to me that the way that Leverkusen would set up, he he could get at them. Now, I haven't seen, obviously, enough of much in Gladbach to know that, and I'm sure Marco Rosen knows more than me about his team. Um, it was just that nah. the, the change nah. was so instant, you know, like after half-time, it just seemed, it just seemed click, and within seven or eight minutes, I guess, of, of half-time, um, Taram had scored, beautiful kind of finish into the bottom corner, really nicely worked. Um, and although, uh, I mean, to be fair, it's worth mentioning that Leverkusen probably should have been out of sight by this point. Um, really, really presentable chances, although Havertz had a really good day. Um, you know, on another day, he could have had another couple of goals. Um, and there were some pretty spectacular misses aside from his as well, um, particularly from from close range. So 3-1, I don't think anyone can argue with that from a much in Gladbach angle. It just felt like an opportunity missed, really. I guess we might have come on to it a bit later in terms of like being at home and stuff. And it just, yeah, it, it took a little while to recover from Mbola going off. And by that point, Leverkusen were, were much, the, much the better side. Um, yeah, frustrating afternoon for the... Uh, <laughs> For the Muching Gladback contingent, unfortunately. To be fair, I, I think you did deserve another one. I, I think it should have been 4-2, although I said that on Twitter, kind of expecting expected goals to back me up on that, which it did not. Um, but Because there was that double save um, yeah, the, by Hradecki. Yeah, it was a good... I mean, it, not to heap too much praise on us, and Kev, Kev obviously got the, the scoreline correct, but I think we were all pretty much in agreement that it was going to be a really, really open game when we previewed it and uh, so it, it it turned out to be I think it like Kev said it could have been several more goals on each side really um it was it was a great watch from a neutral perspective obviously um I, I think we'd set it up to be like game of the weekend in terms of um the potential for goals obviously there are a couple more that uh, got a bit more out of hand <laughs> goals count but yeah I think it certainly lived up to our expectations of being a thoroughly enjoyable watch if you were a kind of fan of, of teams thriving in the final third and maybe not being as as good defensively in that uh, in that scene having having watched Dragovic for a little while um, at Leicester a couple of years ago oh, right. I was under yeah I, I was not surprised in the slightest that he was having absolute kittens um, <laughs> when he was being he was being tested uh, by Hoffman and, and Taram and 
plie. So it was just, you know, uh, it's frustrating that there wasn't a bit more cutting edge in that in that Notting Gladbach team. But, you know, beaten by the better team on the day, you've got to hold your hands up and just say that Leverkusen deserved it. Havertz is a very, very special talent by the looks of things. And, you know, I'm sure, I know we've spoken about this briefly before, but I'm guessing he'll be on plenty of teams' radars um, later on in the year, whether it be you know just the back end of the summer or the early part of the autumn, whenever teams can sign players again, he'll be um, he'll be top of someone's list, I'm sure. Whether it it'll be enough to move him on, but I mean, if you look at his form over the last kind of ten or twelve games, he's just absolutely come to life, and he seems to have picked up after the the season interruption right where he, he left off, which is a great sign. And you know, you think particularly with Germany having this huge spotlight on it at the moment with the Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 being two of the only major leagues and they're going to be that way for another couple of weeks that if Havertz carries on like this he, he's going to be on top of someone's scouting list if he wasn't already yeah you mentioned that and, and now I'll loop back to the Diaby thing that I want to ask John about so it's very easy to make lazy scouting comps um, but I was just curious if uh, you don't mind being put on the spot uh, since that's basically the premise of the show. But, um, <laughs> how would you compare where Diaby is at this point to how Mane was playing when he was in Germany? In terms of comparing Mane and, and Diaby, I don't know. I mean, Mane was at Salzburg, right? So so that's Austria as well. Yeah, so I just looked so, it up. So what I've done there is the standard confusion uh, name-wise between Mane and Sané. Knowing Sané was in Germany... Mane at an RB <laughs> club, but the one that's in Austria. I mean, I, I think we've set quite a low bar on expertise so far, but uh, we might have gone even lower <laughs> in the last couple of minutes. Yeah, I think, I, I, but going back to Diaby, I think, yeah, he's he's exciting. He's as exciting a, a talent I think I've seen um, at that sort of age and that sort of position um, in, in the Bundesliga. And um, it will be really exciting to see where his, where his career goes from here. Um, but, you know, this is... Uh, tricky thing it's 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 that the question always is is like what sort of league effects are in place in the Bundesliga will he'll presumably want to move somewhere else um into maybe one of the 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 bigger leagues in Europe uh, and there's there's no saying that that's necessarily going to be a smooth transition um so it, I'll be w- watching his um development with with bated breath but I, he seems exciting he seems a, a really good player any other thoughts on the um Gladbach Leverkusen game before we move on John yeah, I think potentially. I mean, it's easy to forget how close the game actually was. There was a there was a um, Gladbach penalty decision that was turned down, which I thought was quite strong. Before Leverkusen got their penalty, I actually thought the Leverkusen penalty was maybe a little bit fortunate in so far as uh, Bellarabi got the, the, the got the shot away before the tackle came in, and it was a sort of momentum carries you into the tackler thing. Um, and I think in that sort of penalty situation you're almost giving people two chances to score and I think that may be a a little bit unfair but I mean it went through VAR so I suppose there's not really much more you can do than that but had that um, those decisions been reversed and and Gladbach got the the penalty decision ahead of that then it could have been 2-2 and it would have been an interesting game uh, from there on but like like we've all said it was it was always going to be an open game it was always going to have goals in it it was always going to be exciting Um, but I think um, it, it would be remiss of me to to judge the 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 relative standings between those two teams on the outcome of the game which could have gone either way. Yeah, it was a really interesting penalty decision. I saw a lot of people who were upset about that on Twitter. The sort of thing that you just rarely see given, although I actually think it should be given more. I don't think you should be able to wipe someone out just because they've had a shot. Particularly a bugbear for me with goalkeepers when they come out and 
clear out an attack or don't get the ball. You never ever see fouls coming against mm. them. Um, but anyway, that's just me on my soapbox for a minute there. Um, the weekend started, though, with the Berlin Derby. If you listened to last week's podcast, John gave us a very detailed history of all of Berlin, I think. Hertha um, <laughs> ended up being far too strong for Union. Um, 4-0 win, one of the only home wins of the weekend, though. And this is a trend that we spoke about last week, Kev. It just doesn't seem to be home advantage without fans anymore. Yeah, so the numbers ended up being pretty crazy uh, in terms of this. So I think it's just the one win was them this week, or were there two this week? Uh, two this weekend, so them and Bayern, which we'll come on to a bit later. Right, as well. and just one the last week. So in total, three of 18 home clubs have won since the restart. And thanks to an uh, unnamed pseudo German Twitter account, uh, it was 43% of home clubs won before the break and now it's just 16.6 percent since we we kind of hinted at this in the last episode that we were already seeing this trend but the sample size was too small now there's been a second week where it's kind of continued obviously to reach like data significance we need a lot more but it certainly seems to be the early trend any theories as to why that might be jim I mean, the the theory, I guess, with home advantage, obviously beyond the fans, is that you're kind of familiar with the surroundings. So potentially the um, expectations. Gladbach had their old cardboard cutout. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were. made that much of an impact. But they also allowed Bayer Leverkusen to have away fan cardboard cutouts, which I think really hurt them in the match. Yeah. The much more vocal cardboard cutout fans that you expect (laughs) from an away team in this situation, obviously. Yeah. it's yeah. I mean, it's still too early to draw massive conclusions too. But it's certainly interesting that it's borne out over two weeks and it is so pronounced. Um, it's it might be the case of just the coronavirus preparations for matches and the kind of testing and the inability to train. I'm guessing a lot of teams still aren't training in the same way that they were before. Um, maybe that is stunting the impact, but the, there's no reason that should affect a home team more than an away team as such, I guess, unless it's just that an away team would be used to staying in a hotel or whatever the night before. And maybe they, they kind of are used to that, but it just seems very odd that it's so pronounced. I mean, again, it wouldn't be a surprise if, if we saw a few home wins in midweek and that then levels things off a little bit, but it certainly seems maybe it's the impact on the referees as well. Um, you know, talking about, uh, the the slightly contentious penalty decision in the in the Much and Gladbach Leverkusen game does that uh, decision get given if there are thousands and thousands of home fans you know jeering the ref and that kind of thing you're not sure maybe they're seeing things a little bit more fifty fifty in isolation without the fans it's just yeah it just it's a very sterile environment obviously and maybe that's just kind of reducing the impact of that home advantage to a point where it's just played out on the results I mean it's so skewed that it it can't stay like this forever we're not going to go through a few more weeks and have 17% home wins I don't think he says that now put all your money on every away win going in the midweek coupon <laughs> but we'll see i mean it, it, it wouldn't be surprising if it if it was significantly down at the end of the season but i can't see it staying as low as 17% i think that's unsustainable still yeah it's probably too early to judge but at this stage it's it seems to be one of the major trends of the of the resumption i'm just looking at something jim dug out that marco hair tweeted comparison of games before the break after the break a lot of the stats actually very similar apart from home wins so things like goals per game 
um, underdogs winning, even things like cards per game, corners per game, a lot of these things are very similar. Um, John, coming to the game itself, the two teams very close together in the table before this result, but Union's defence just couldn't really cope with her. So really, really one-sided game in the end. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting game because uh, it was one of those games you watch and you're sort of it didn't feel like a four nil win. Um, it it felt as though Union did like respectably enough. It felt as though Hertha were quite uh, that, that they they sat very deep in their build up play. They were trying to draw out Union um, in in many respects, and for the, for the most part, it just seemed as though it was working. And then they they just seemed to manage to grab four goals, and so it was a it was a weird game for me because it. It felt more like a, a sort of fairly close game um, that that suddenly just had the the scoreline get away with it. But it was it was uh, quite, I thought it was quite fascinating seeing the way that Hertha were dropping so deep with their centre backs um, and then pushing their their double pivot forward. And there was just so much of a gap between the, those two. And and Union was sitting in a in a fairly deep block, and they just didn't seem interested in in closing down the the ball when Hertha had it deep. And um, yeah, in the end, Hertha just sort of found their way into the channels. They had um, a couple of good performances from their wide players, and and that was the difference between them. Yeah, I think Union's problem is defensively, from what I've seen of them in the last two rounds. I've only had the second half on in the background because I was Zoom quizzing. By the way, I've managed to move from joint last to second last, so getting better every week. <laughs> but yeah, Union's defence just seems to be a little bit all over the place. Moving on to the next games that we're going to talk about, then title watch. Wins for Bayern, Dortmund and Leipzig. Dortmund start things off um, with a 2-0 win at Wolfsburg. Fullbacks on the score sheet again, Guerrero and Hakimi. Um, I watched that game instead of Gladbach Leverkusen. And it was quite even actually, but Dortmund just too much speed on the break to get the second goal to kill it. The interesting thing about this game was that Wolfsburg had some crowd noise. And that's the first game in the Bundesliga where I've noticed this. Um, someone stopped me if they've seen it from another game, but I think I, I did. prefer a bit of crowd so noise. I actually have a little bit of information about this. Ooh, look who's an expert oh now. Oh my God. So uh, <laughs> it actually raised controversy here in the States. So the Mainz game was, nope, Colm, Jesus Christ, um, is <laughs> the first It was all going so well. Was it? Um, so <laughs> uh, anyway, it was the first one here in the States to have crowd noise. And uh, Fox mentioned that there's basically an option. Broadcasters from the Bundesliga have been offered the option of having crowd noise or not. So different matches are having them. And it sounds like here in the States we're opting to have it more. But apparently some of today's matches didn't have it uh, in the UK and in other broadcast markets. But it's literally up to the broadcast company which oh, matches really? they want to put it on. It's a bit, li- it's really a bit like the... Um... I think the Premier League broadcasters have the option to pipe in the communication to Stockley Park as well for VAR, from what I've heard, um, and they chose Ooh. not to, uh, which seems stupid. But <laughs> but yeah, unless I'm unless I'm misremembering it, I think that is technically an option for the broadcasters, but they chose not to do it. Um, so it seems slightly odd that people are so against piping in crowd noise. I mean, it's just surely it just adds a bit more realism to a very sterile kind of product and makes it a bit more palatable for someone who might be tuning in for the first time. I think it is a TV thing, isn't it? I mean, I don't think, even if it was in the stadium, I don't think the players are going to react any differently. It would have to be pretty loud, I think, if it was going to be in the stadium to make an audible difference to people. Or the biggest Zoom call ever. And fans at home (laughs) get to pay money to have their audio piped through the stadium. There's a team in... I want to say Denmark, who are going to be doing this when their league resumes. 
you can tune in via Zoom and they're going to have big video screens. It sounds like something off Black Mirror or a Chris Morris spoof or something. But they're going to have these giant videos and you'll be able to watch it through Zoom or somehow. I don't understand how it works, obviously. <laughs> but you'll be able to like sing songs and do chants and stuff and it will apparently be broadcast. Um I'm sure it's a Danish team. There's a lot of people talking about it on Twitter this week. Um, They've been doing that at Bayern, actually. The the UK Bayern fan club have been having big Zoom calls where they all uh, really? zoom in and they yeah they cheer along the team through Zoom. So, yeah, and they've, they've been playing that at halftime, some clips from that in the BT coverage. Oh, cool. Um, this is actually going to be in the stadium, though, apparently, so it's one step beyond that. Um, I'm sure leagues like the Premier League that are, working on their resumption and then we're keeping a close eye on this and looking at how it all works and see if there's a way to make it more entertaining to watch. Um, since John mentioned Bayern there, we'll go to the Bayern game next. Um, riotously entertaining match this one, the highest scoring game of the weekend, 5-2 against Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, and there's one guy that you noticed in particular, Kev. Uh, yeah, Thomas Muller is really good, and I noticed on Twitter a whole lot of people seemed surprised that Thomas Muller was really good, uh, and apparently that's because I largely missed like a two-year downturn in his performances. So, John, I was just wondering, what's the lay of the land with Muller, and why were people like, wow, he's really good? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I think obviously Bayern had a bit of a blip when they had Kovacs as their manager, um, and uh, I think a lot of people, whenever that sort of thing happens, it's inevitable that players who are underperforming, who are getting towards the end of their career, are sort of held up as being on the on the inevitable downward slope. But um, there's been a lot of positivity about Hansi Flick. He's he's come in uh, after Kovacs, and yeah, the, the, he seems to have got um, Bayern purring again. And um, Thomas Muller had a very Thomas Muller performance. He scored a very Thomas Muller goal, which involved. A, uh, a very awkward bringing the ball under control, but then a very smart finish. Um, and he continues to be the Ram Deuter that people call him. He, he seems to just find pockets of space, seems to be able to manipulate um, um, those spaces in, in opposition's defences. And uh, it, it's been it's been nice seeing him have a, a resurgence, really. Yeah, there's a statistic that um, I wish I'd looked up now because I want to read it out on the show and I want to have to try and find it on my phone. <laughs> um most assists in the Bundesliga this season? I think it's 17 assists more than anyone 17 else. Assists, yeah. You don't really think of Muller as a creator, do you? But it just shows that, despite the fact people seem to have moved on from him as thinking he's an elite talent, he's still having a massive impact. Um, and he seems to be a really important cog for this Bayern team in that he's not necessarily as flashy as Lewandowski or the wide players or even someone like Thiago, but he's someone who really makes sure that they get the job done. Mm. They've dropped him slightly deeper as well this season because usually he was playing in that front three. Um, but they they went they came out with a uh, front three of Kingsley Coman, Lewandowski and Ivan Perisic. And he sat in the in the midfield three just on the outside on the right, which I think is probably why he's been picking up more assists than perhaps he has in the past. So uh, I think that's a really interesting positional reinvention for him. And might be about to save them a ton of money because I saw a couple articles this week talking about why the reason they didn't uh, renew Coutinho's uh, deal was because Muller had been performing better than him in that position. Mm, a lot of sense. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Let's move on then. <laughs> and Leipzig made sure it was clean sweep for the, probably the three front runners for the title, although Leverkusen might not consider themselves out of it. Um, Mines took another beating from them, having lost 8 0 earlier in the season. This time they kept it to five. So well done. <laughs> Timo Werner hat trick in both of those fixtures. He's back to form after a few games without a goal. Um, and in the ask a stupid question of the Bundesliga expert <laughs> part of the show, John, Mines 05 obviously lends itself to obvious jokes because they lost 5 0. Why Why do so many of these Bundesliga teams, you've got Schalke 04 as well, why have they got that number in the name? Is it a really obvious explanation? Yeah, I'm afraid it is. It's oh, in, good. The, in, in the most part, it's because uh, the, these teams have taken the year of their foundation into their into their um, team name. So, yeah, null funf um, <laughs> is is ni- 1905 the year that, that Mainz were formed, and null fear is when 04 is when Schalke uh, were formed. So, yeah, there's quite a few of them that do that, and a lot of them make a big thing of the the year that they were formed anyway. So, um, Gladbach formed in 1900, um, and they they kind of make a big thing of that without even putting it in in the names. But there's there's lots of fun stuff about the names because if you actually look at the full names of some of the clubs, they have like really quite long um, uh, and storied uh, names for their clubs. Um, I think a lot again a lot of the time to do with the the, the various historics behind their formations. So if some of them were started in in sort of social clubs, they'll they'll often have a um, some kind of hat tip towards that, and uh, they all um, don't really they don't really follow the the sort of general FC that we have a lot in in the UK. Um, so you'll have so SC Freiburg is uh, sports club Freiburg, and then you have the inevitable. Um, Histrionics around uh, RB Leipzig, who who have the the not the, Red obviously, Bull, yeah, exactly, not, not, Red, Bull, not Red Bull. It stands for Rasenball uh, Sport, which means lawn ball sport, uh, which is not uh, actually a phrase in German. So, uh, but make of that what you will. <laughs> but, uh, but it's definitely nothing to do. Trouble. Yeah, exactly. It's got nothing to do with Red Bull, the, co- the company that owns RB Leipzig. Who money um, did yeah, actually we, play for? 
It should be no. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. So technically, he played in the Bundesliga. Right? He played in the Austrian <laughs> Bundesliga. So, so in that respect, you're you're, you're bang on. Coming up next week, Austrian Bundesliga for beginners. Kev <laughs> will be hosting on his own. <laughs> I, I, would, I will say, John, I, I think in hindsight, would it have been wise for German clubs to have been started in a different decade so there wouldn't be so many memes about their scorelines? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, the, the German football was obviously a little bit behind English football. A lot of English football started at the end of the 19th century. So you get a lot of clubs like you're, you're a Spurs fan. So they were in the in the 1880s, 82. Mm. Um, and um, but because Germany is just that little bit further behind because they had to wait for football to spread there. You've got a lot of them in the in the, the 19, uh, the early 1900s. So I'm a Leeds fan and they were formed in 1919, um, which is relatively late for a for a storied uh, british club but that was because they were born out of a different club that went on to fail so um yeah it's it's there's, there's a lot of interesting history it'd be quite fun to do something maybe on on the names behind the clubs because some of them just have incredibly long names um <laughs> that, that are really sort of quirky so that's quite an interesting aspect of german football as well we can certainly look into doing that in a future show if people interested in that please do let us know at bundesliga pod is the twitter name that i neglected to mention at the start of the show like i was meant to um, <laughs> one of the reasons i brought this up was augsburg did a twitter banter um because they won three nil at schalke today and it's schalke 04 in the badge so they did a schalke 03 uh my beloved augsburg who i was already to hate after one week of supporting them came up trumps with a fantastic result <laughs> um another big away win um in keeping with a lot of the league this season, very clinical display. Um, and Schalke are in real trouble. I think it's nine games without a win now, obviously spanning before the coronavirus break and now. Um, David Wagner must be coming under some pressure, really, John. I thought he'd fallen upwards a bit into that job after leaving Huddersfield, but it's really not going well for them. Yeah, I feel bad for, for Wagner because he took a... Uh, took over a Schalke team who were in free fall the season before and potentially going to go down. And they they'd been managed by Domenico Tedesco, who is, is held up as one of the one of these um, youth young uh, laptop managers that were coming through the system. He was someone who'd done better in the in the. Um, Whatever train, whatever the training system is called, where they, whereby they train coaches, than uh, Julian Nagelsmann. Um, so there was a lot of people saying that you know there was going to be a long-term German rivalry between these two coaches, and, and Tedesco went to Schalke, and uh, yeah, came a cropper a little bit, and then. Obviously, Wagner comes in, and and in the uh, in the Hinrunde, so the first round of the of the of the of the season, um, the first half of the season, he, he did quite well, um, and had them challenging for European places. But then, when the Rookrunde started, it it all it all fell apart. And uh, yeah, there's lots of questions about why that has has happened. Uh, but it's he he. Uh, I mentioned it, I think, last week that Schalke have such a high expectation from their fan base because um, they do have that that history that um, that they expect to be challenging for the top um, of the table every season and every time it doesn't happen it seems as though there's a moratorium about what 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 the manager has done um, to prevent that rather than um, looking at what, what's actually going on behind the club a little bit more and I think the majority of people would agree that Schalke have, have struggled to score goals um, for a number of seasons. Now they simply haven't sorted uh, out the problem of, of bringing in a, a goal scorer. And when you've got managers like Tedesco and um, 
and Wagner there, you've got to think that it's not simply a managerial problem. It's, there's got to be something more structural going on there. So I do feel bad for for Wagner. And uh, I mentioned before in the WhatsApp group, you know, especially at this point when there's a, the uh, English fans flooding in to watch German football at this point in time. And he's, he's actually had quite a good season and then he's fallen off a cliff in the last few uh, match days. So I feel bad for him because people will be coming over and, and obviously making that allusion to his time at Huddersfield. It's a good point, isn't it, Jim? Because if you're someone who's only sat at the Bundesliga in the last couple of weeks, like us, you'd be looking at a manager that we recognise from the Premier League and he's had a 4-0 defeat and a 3-0 defeat from his first two games. It doesn't seem to be going well at all. No, and obviously I'm, I'm, I can't comment with any kind of authority on the, the start of the season and how well he's done You know, up until this point. It's worth noting, I guess, that Schalke are still only eighth you know, it's not like they're in massive relegation trouble and stuff and sliding down the table. Obviously, they had a good start to the season and have kind of fallen off um, a while ago and kind of carried on that trend after the the break. But, I mean, the thing that, that struck me in the, the Schalke-Augsburg game today, like, Schalke were just playing themselves into so many really stupid situations. Yeah, especially at the Augsburg, back. Yeah, Augsburg were good. Like, don't get me wrong very clinical and they put their chances away but in reality they didn't really have to show much cutting edge all they really had to do was punt the ball up front to the opposition and then Schalke would inevitably just shoot themselves in the foot and give it back to them like 25 yards out with like a two-on-two situation on several occasions and it happened like a few times before the second goal I mean, the first one was an absolute beautiful free kick and obviously not, I guess the keeper might be a bit disappointed. Obviously, we know Schalke have got their gripes with their goalkeeping situation as it is. Um, but OK, not not the worst thing in the world to be beaten by a free kick of that quality. But the second and third goals were just abysmal to watch. Like, it's just schoolboy defending. It was just like they didn't have any confidence in clearing the ball. And for a team that were training for so long, they showed so little themselves going forward. I can imagine most Schalke fans are just banging their heads off the desk, like watching the game. But like, where is this next goal going to come from? Because they don't look like scoring and they sure as hell don't look like keeping the opposition out at any stage. And this is, a, you know, Jamie said he was already going to grow to hate an Augsburg team that have lost their last four or five games on the spin coming into this match. Like that's a huge win for them down in the, the, the bottom of the table. And if, if that's the quality that it takes to make a serious impact against Schalke, who are supposed to be a half decent team in mid table, then what are a better team? You know, we saw, we saw Dortmund hand them a four nil win really without even needing to get out of second or third gear. What's it going to be like if a team actually, go all guns blazing and, and put them to the sword properly. It could be a really big score. I'm going to have to find a team found, founded in, is the, the team founded in 1908 that we can look to, to inflict that kind of defeat on, on Schalke? Because it's going that way. Yeah, well, they've got Fortuna away um, in the midweek round that we're going to talk about in a little while. So that's a, a big opportunity for them to get back to winning ways, Fortuna. Fortuna 95. So there you go. 9-5, <laughs> here we go. Wow. Over 13 and a half to predict the scoreline again, but... Before we um, move on to previews, we'll just touch on Freiburg. John, a bit of a missed opportunity this one with Schalke and Wolfsburg both losing in that sort of race for the top six. They went down at home to Werder Bremen, who were in the bottom two. Yeah, it was a funny game. It's it's a game that I said to friends beforehand. Who were, I've got a couple of friends who were always asking me for betting tips. 
Um, so they'll often use Freiburg as an example. And I said, you know, this is the sort of game that Freiburg will lose. Um, it's against a relegation struggler. They've the 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 other two relegation strugglers they've already lost to this season in Paderborn and uh, Dusseldorf as well. So it was one of those games where where Freiburg came out with a very 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 tentative, conceded a goal fairly early on. It was and it was quite an unlucky goal in the sense that um, it was a Davy class and uh, an excellent Davy class and. Um, sort of cross come through ball into uh, into Leo Bittencourt's feet and he scored from outside the area really delicious finish really and you just don't expect that sort of thing to happen and then from there on in it was it was just Bremen sitting deep and Freiburg just not having the to break them down and we've seen this actually happen a lot He's, uh, a friend of mine described Freiburg as, as the Manchester United as, of, of Germany because um, you know they are they're a team who will get good results against um, teams where they're sitting deep and catching them on the counter-attack but when they're in the reverse situation um, and expected to break down a, a, a deep defence they just don't have the, the the quality or players to do that but Freiburg are just an incredible team in terms of when you actually look at how little money they spend in terms of keeping their team afloat they just they they are one of the largest over uh, achievers in in world football um, and so that's just part and parcel of, of what it is and you know there's, there's quite a nice um aspect to, to supporting them because of that and um, again another friend of mine describes them as the the Burnley of uh, German football so no, no no apologies to Jamie there because I really love uh, both Burnley and Freiburg so that's the sort of sense of the game that you're expecting. Wow John showing off about how many friends he's got there. <laughs> you won't know them they go to a different <laughs> they, they all go to a different podcast. Watch it's only because of my, my betting knowledge, that's what it is, you know. <laughs> With friends like these, who needs enemies? <laughs> <laughs> well, quite. Um, other results at the bottom, Paderborn, uh, still bringing up the real, but they got a point at home to Hoffenheim, so a bit of hope uh, for them. And the last game, just before we were recording, Fortuna Dusseldorf with Tina up at Cologne, um, and then, what, conceded twice. So <laughs> we got a draw out of that one. <laughs> yeah, disaster Cologne... for them. It looked like it was going to be three three away wins today um, and Fortuna just let us down on that front. <laughs> yeah, Colton obviously had the 2-2 draw last week where they had the lead and then conceded two and then this week they're like, now let's mix it up, concede the first two, then we'll score the next two. Scored them right at the end. The 87th minute was the first goal and uh, didn't look likely they were going to get back into it in the 86th minute. So really good turnaround from them. They've got some fun strikers in Jon Cordoba and um, Anthony Modeste who scored. So um, a real a real sort of chuck, chuck the big guys on up front and see what can happen uh, kind of result there. Here's a random yeah, think, question um, for you. Uh, where does Mateta play? Because Tottenham were linked with him earlier in the season and I forget. Uh, Mainz, I believe. What is he hurt or something? Yeah, he is at Mainz. I, he must be injured because they would be. I'm, I'm sh- certain they'd be playing him if he weren't. But um, you'll be surprised to hear that I don't keep up with the ins and outs of the squad at Mainz uh, as closely as maybe I should. So <laughs> I apologise. Maybe my uh, expert nature is uh, under threat here. No, it's really fine. The, they got really really in the Bundesliga experts. <laughs> <laughs> this random yeah, player. It's a real O five loss for me there. <laughs> I haven't regularly displayed a capability of accurately naming the clubs that I'm talking about, so I think you're pretty safe. <laughs> <laughs> Completely out of nowhere there. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, if you're looking for late drama from the, the midweek round, then Hoffenheim v. Köln might be the game to watch uh, if someone goes tune up in particular. Speaking of the midweek round, seamless link as always. Um, Der Klassiker this week, Kev. Tuesday night, Dortmund v. Bayern. Massive for the title race, Bayern have a four-point lead. 
Yeah, it's going to be a crazy one um, for sure. Although, as we talked about in the chat with all these away wins, you think that probably favors uh, Bayern Munich a bit. So before this week, I think I probably would have favored Dortmund just the way both clubs played in their first match. But obviously Bayern kind of finding their ruthless streak just in time before this match uh, this weekend with the bevy of goals that they scored. Um, Yeah, it's obviously massive, as you say, for the title chase. I... For some reason, I, I just have a softer spot for Dortmund. Maybe it's not for some reason. Maybe it's just because Bayern Munich are basically the Yankees, um, and they've won everything ever. What? How many in a row have they won? Like four or five? I thought Too it was many. more. I thought it was like seven. <laughs> what season are we even on now? Have they technically won this season already? <laughs> Fortunately, we're not guessing on things that listeners could just easily look up. But Bayern have won it way too many times seven. in a row. Seven. Seven. Seven in a row. Nailed it. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely like to see Dortmund crack that and signing Holland in January, um, gives them probably the best chance they ever would have had of actually catching up and closing that gap. Obviously the win does it, it brings them within a point, although it kind of seems like it's pretty unlikely that anybody ever takes points off of Bayern ever. So <laughs> maybe that one point gap, even after this match would still be somewhat insurmountable, but I'd certainly like to see it from Dortmund. I I didn't see their match this week because it was on at the same time as the Intrapod derby between uh, Jim and myself. But it, I'm just gonna back them arbitrarily. I think Dortmund win this one. I don't know, two one. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, with that in mind, Jim, Dortmund could be without Hummels and Sancho. Sancho still coming back to full fitness. Hummels went off injured at the weekend. Uh, um, Obviously, English football fans will be looking towards Sancho to make a big impact on this game. And he did have an impact off the bench this weekend, setting up the second goal. But Dortmund really needing to be fitting in the team for that game. Yeah, you would think so. It's a game that Bayern have dominated in in recent meetings, certainly in the league. Um, I was just looking at the kind of recent history between the pair because, you know, I was pretty. It tends to be if you're going to one Bundesliga game, every three or four months it's going to be the the classic right between these two because it tends to be the most hyped game of the season um Bayern in the last four league meetings have a 6-0 win a 5-0 win and a 4-0 win um Oof, not looking to good their for name. my expert opinion yeah i mean granted they were all at the at home um so maybe the the um home advantage for for Dortmund will will swing things in their favour, but it's certainly a game where Bayern have had the the best of it in recent times. Certainly in the league, I know they lost in the the Super Cup um, at the start of the season to to Dortmund, but I think we just we just want a Dortmund win here, don't we? Just to make it really really interesting because it feels almost like if Bayern come away from this game with all three points, the title's kind of gone. Um, you can't see them dropping enough points for it to swing back in, in Dortmund's favour. They're going to have to drop seven points um, over the course of, what, six weeks um, or six game weeks. So it, it, that's a really, really big ask considering how imperious they've been for the most part, if, you know, as we've just said, for the last seven years they've won this title. So I think, yeah, I think for a neutral perspective, you just want Dortmund to to go out, 
get the three points and then you could be in for a real, real nail-biter of a of a conclusion to the season, which is ultimately what would make the Bundesliga even more watchable in the sense that if there's a genuine chance of a, a two-horse race going into the final couple of weeks, people will be a bit more sold on it as well. So, yeah, fingers crossed that Dortmund come out and do the business and if Sancho and Haaland is, uh, can be a big part of that, then uh, more's the better. Yeah, it would certainly bunch up to the top of the table, wouldn't it? If Leipzig and Leverkusen and Gladbach, if they could get results in this midweek round as well, it would suddenly look like the top five who were all in contention. Um, John, as Jim was just saying there, though, it's been incredibly one-sided in recent seasons. And a lot of people will think that's wild, that the two biggest clubs in the country can have had so many massive mismatches. Yeah, you've got to remember that the Bundesliga has been, um, the history of the Bundesliga has, has meant that Bayern have, have been favoured a huge amount. We talk a lot about the 50 plus one rule that, that exists, whereby the the shares of a club have to be owned 50% plus one share um, by the fans. Um, and that's obviously designed to, to prevent any sort of uh, uh, external corporation coming in and taking over control, which has meant that financially a lot of the clubs haven't been able to catch up at the top. But for Bayern, it's worked out fine and it's only recently I think when they realise that they're falling behind in terms of uh, the European competition that they've really started pushing out against that 50 plus one rule so you've, you've always got that in, in in the back of your mind for, for these things you know the, the disparity is there um, you think of Dortmund as, a, as being a great club and, and obviously they are but um, Bayern really do have the the traditional firepower in terms of finances behind them and you have to bear that in mind when you're looking at the results in the in the past few seasons as well because there's always the situation where the pressure is always on Dortmund like that it will be close um, particularly in the last couple of seasons um, going into the the, the 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 second half of the season but the, the just the amount of pressure there is on Dortmund to actually pull off a result in the second uh, game against Bayern, uh, but also the fact that the, in terms of the depths of squad and the experience, Bayern are always going to be f- far ahead. So I, I just I just always expect Dortmund to, to not crown under the pressure, perhaps, but feel the pressure, um, certainly. And so it, it will take something special from Favre's uh, players to, to turn that around. Uh, and Favre's teams, I mentioned again in previous episodes, they do have a habit of, of sort of uh, cracking under under that pressure. So um, I, I expect to see a Bayern win, um, but that doesn't mean to say that, that there couldn't be an upset. Um, and obviously, we would all want to see that so that the title race goes down to the wire. Sure, and we've mentioned this before, of course, but Bayern have a habit of hoovering up all the best players from other teams, and they've done that to Dortmund in the past as well. So maybe it's not too much of a surprise that there has been this sort of gulf between the two teams when you consider they've picked up players like Lewandowski um, from Dortmund, which is obviously strengthening themselves massively and being a major rival as well, um, being all bayern about it. <laughs> and the other games that we've got to look forward to in this movie, Midweek round. By the way, midweek round, you mentioned something off the cuff to us before, off air, um, John. They call it an English round, is it? Because it's midweek. What's that all about? Yeah, they call it the English of Ocher, which just means English week. Um, and I, I guess it's because there's so few midweek uh, midweek rounds in German football because they have fewer teams and fewer cup games so that they they don't need to squeeze in games quite so readily as we do in England. So, yeah, it's uh, English of Ocher this week. 
So there you go. Plenty of reasons to tune in. It's basically English football. <laughs> Other games that we've got to look forward to this week. Kev, your Bayer Keverkusen lads in action at home to Wolfsburg. Another top six battle. Wolfsburg sixth in the table. Your boys in fourth. Uh, big one in the race for Champions League qualification. Yeah, well, as we all know, in the last episode, I had said we'd already played Wolfsburg, so I got to imagine we'll be even more prepared. Uh, <laughs> well, you'll know exactly how they're going to play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't press much, according to what I said last time. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, just based on how the match this week went and, and even the week previous, Leverkusen definitely on a roll. Also mentioned the unmentioned uh, Tepsoba stats, so uh, things have been going very well since he was brought in in January. Havertz, obviously, in incredible form right now. Diaby had two assists in the first match. Wasn't as much of a presence in this last one, but just his pace and ability to create simultaneously is really, really difficult for people to defend. So you can't imagine that'll last too much longer. Um, it's 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 got to be a win. It's the mighty Leverkusen. Mighty's in the name because that's how I keep saying it. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just double down. It's 3-1 again. Two for two as well since uh, you started supporting them. So maybe you're a lucky mascot. Yeah, it's it's really not too bad. I, I hope Taha's back. Apparently he might be. So fingers crossed on that because I do just want to see him play again. Also, uh, Leon Bailey, I wasn't that uh, impressed, which was really disappointing because he was such a huge name a couple of years ago as a prospect. Of course, we've talked about that in a previous episode. And I, I just want to see new Paulinho because Tottenham had old Paulinho and that was iffy at best. <laughs> <laughs> Well, certainly we'll, we'll back on that on the next show. Um, Jim Gladbach looking to bounce back at Werder Bremen, who was second bottom. Yeah, second bottom, but coming off a big win um, in the context of the league over Freiburg this weekend. So, you know, they'll be looking to put a few more points between them and Paderborn at the bottom of the league, albeit even if they won, I don't think they could get out of the, the 17th spot. Um where they currently are, but I think it shows they're a dangerous opponent. They're in absolutely abysmal form before they, they beat Freiburg um, and have been for some time. So hopefully Munch and Gladbach can get back to winning ways, uh, particularly with the, the lack of home advantage. You'd like to think that would play into Munch and Gladbach's hands. It certainly worked against Frankfurt in the first game uh, post-coronavirus suspension. So yeah, we... We've gone from winning 3-1 to losing 3-1. So hopefully it will go swing back in the uh, 3-1 away win camp again um, and continue keeping the pressure on the likes of Bayer Keverkusen and RB Leipzig <laughs> in the race for the uh, the Champions League places. We are going to start lobbying the club to change their name. Absolutely. As to match them if, if this 100% <laughs> record keeps continuing. You're right. Yeah, if there's already some crazy names kicking around, we might as well add by Kevakusen to the list and then we can do <laughs> an episode we'll on that one and claim you the credit. Exactly, yeah, we'll bring it up on the name episode. Also, it is literally the first time since the year of our Lord 2009 that I changed my Twitter name was to buy a Kevakusen. Wow. So you got to imagine that's that had an impact on the, the squad. Cause, right? <laughs> that's commitment to the cause right there. It's clearly what's inspiring them. I think this is making all the difference. They don't have any home fans, so... Uh, Kev's Twitter name is clearly coming. <laughs> it's, really, it's really given them uh, the push they needed. Exactly. These games all Tuesday. Freiburg also in action Tuesday. John away to Eintracht. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame that we didn't take points against Bremen because they're the last club really who we would be the favourites against. Uh, maybe Frankfurt we we would be the favourites against. But after that, it's a horrible run of Leverkusen, Gladbach. Um, Hertha, Bayern and Schalke so all clubs above us I think apart from Hertha or maybe Hertha are above us um, so yeah it's, we're going into a, a 
a rough run of fixtures. Um, so it will be interesting to see how they pick up after that win. Uh, lost last week, so I've got everything wrong in that in that little section. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Wednesday night sees the return of my beloved Augsburg boys, who I now love very much after hating them for a full week at home to Paderborn, their bottom of the table, so easy three points in <laughs> that one. Um, we'll get a podcast out after the midweek round before next weekend, but we're coming towards the end of the show now, so this is everyone's favourite bit. Kev, how do you subscribe? I still don't know how it works. Yeah, so I forgot about Acast the last couple of weeks. So you can also oh, subscribe Acast. on Acast because that's who actually hosts our shows and such. Uh, but you can also do it on iTunes and not Spotify. Not anymore, they don't. Well, yeah, probably not. But iTunes and Spotify are what people are probably actually using, and now they really won't. Um, you can subscribe to those two. Uh, also, uh, we send out the tweets for these shows, both from our actual account, from EPL Index, and from EPL Roundtable. If you're into the, the German football talk, you know, maybe you like the other footballs. There's also going to be a Premier League show this week, and there might be a Champions League one as well, which will be the first time we've had a trifecta since Ooh. the death of our FPL show. So if you're interested, check out all of those. Also, we haven't talked to FPL Bundesliga. Maybe we never will. All right, back to you in the booth, Jamie. <laughs> I like how we're now producing the show during recording the show. Should we do this? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like Kev says, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Bundesliga Pod. If you are listening and enjoying, please do get in touch. I thrive on encouragement. I will wither and die without it. Please <laughs> tell me I'm doing a good job. You're doing a good <laughs> job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> One fan who is on the show with me. <laughs> Any other feedback, comments? please get in touch and let us know that you are out there. Um, you can also get us all individually on Twitter. I'm Jamie Smith Sport. Kev, you are at Kevrov. Mm-hmm. Jim is Jim Knight Tweets. That's right. It is. Correct. And John, I think he's John underscore McKenzie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Please, please. Oh. There we go. Got it wrong I'm in the post last week, but I'll it. never do that again. I'm so sorry, John. I didn't notice because you obviously missed tag me, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> true, true to my club allegiances, like Kevin Volland, I, it was all teed up for me and I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> at, least, um, at least I know everyone's Twitter names, even if I don't know anything about the Bundesliga. So I'm <laughs> um, But yeah, that's our, our show for this week. Please get in touch. Any comments, feedback, etc we'll be back before the weekend wrapping up Der Classica and all the other big games like Augsburg being Paderborn so you wouldn't want to miss that I'm Jamie Smith this has been Bundesliga for beginners we'll catch you next time 99 red balloons this is the outro music <laughs> that's definitely staying in now a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.